Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. In week five of our James Faith in Action series, Pastor Brittany Park unpacks James 1, verses 19 through 21, about how the simple practice of listening can bring about dramatic change as we seek to love others well. All right, good morning, people. For those of you who, who saw me wearing a microphone this morning and thought, again, don't worry, Kenny's back next week. <laughs> One more time, you have to suffer me. Um, woohoo! Thanks, Matt. Um, you guys, I have everything working against me this morning. Um, I woke up to realize that my iPad that I preached from um, was indeed dead. And it's old, so it doesn't charge quickly. Um, and so it has 15%. And then I just got up here to teach in front of you all and open my iPad only to realize that I didn't, in fact, load the sermon onto the iPad. Don't worry, Dominic. We're going to preach from a phone today because technology is our savior. Amen? Don't say amen. So if you see me like this, it's not because I'm getting old. It's because my phone's tiny. Um, what did someone say? No, thanks, Matt. I don't need your classes. If you're new with us this morning, this is totally normal. We just have a casual, awkward conversation every Sunday morning. Um, okay, so if, uh, if you are new, my name is Brittany. I'm the associate pastor here. I'm okay. It's not loaded anyways. Um, I'm the associate pastor here, and uh, we have been going through a series in the book of James, uh, we're five weeks in at this point, I believe, um, and so this morning we're going to continue on and we're going to jump into James chapter one, and so if you have a paper Bible with you, um, you can turn to the book of James, it's towards the end of your Bible. If you do not have a paper Bible with you, you can look on the screen because we're going to have everything you need up there. Um, so we're going to jump in uh, really quickly. Ja- uh, the book of James is written by Jesus' brother. We've been talking about this. Written by Jesus' brother uh, to a church in presumably Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, it's basically a book of practical application for your faith. And so our, our subtitle for our series is Faith in Action. And so throughout the book of James, as we'll continue to be unpacking, um, he's going to give us some practical insight on how we might live our lives as, as followers of Jesus. Um, but not because God is trying to create us into good moral people, but because God's building a brand new people group. He's doing something new in our hearts and our lives. Um, and we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning. And so uh, as we jump into this passage, keep in mind that, that James is talking about a faith that is not just professed with our mouths, not just ascribing to a certain set of beliefs, but a faith that actually changes the way that we live our lives, a faith that's backed with action. Because if you really believe in something, you then act in accordance with that belief, right? Ideally. That's how it should work. For most of us, it doesn't work that way with most things, right? We say we're about recycling, and then we're like, oh, it's too inconvenient, and we don't really recycle, right? Things like that. Our beliefs must match our actions for our, our, our faith to really be genuine. And so that'll get unpacked a bit more next week. But this morning, we're going to look at a practical way that Uh, James is going to unpack a bit of how we live our lives. And so let's just jump into the passage as I just got it on my iPad. (laughs) Multitasking. All right, James chapter 1, verse 19 to 21 is our passage this morning. Dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. 
Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So we've got some practical advice from James, um, and then he starts to tell you a little bit of why this practical advice is important. Um, I want to tell you a little story as we get started this morning. Um, I have a, a family member, and growing up, um, this family member and I were always at odds. Uh, we are just very different people, and we have a very different outlook on life and a very different uh, way of communicating that outlook on life. Um, and so for a lot of times, particularly in my teenage and early 20 years, when you feel like you know everything and you're really spicy, uh, we, would, we would come to blows often. Uh, a little disagreement would turn into to shouting and screaming, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't a pretty situation. We were constantly arguing. Um, I really did feel like he was always wrong, um, and I always felt like I needed to let him know he was wrong. I felt like it was my job to bring justice to the conversation. And so he would say something that, Humbly, I'll say it was probably wrong, and I would feel like it is my job to correct you. And so I would jump right in, and it didn't go well. I attend this class in college. Uh, it's called Interpersonal Communications, and we have one big project for the year. And the project is choose a relationship that is tense in your life, and the tension is revolving around communication, where you just, no matter what you do, you and this person can't communicate. And I'm like, I got just the person for this project. And the goal of this project was to kind of examine the power of listening in order to build relationship, in order to gain a voice in someone's life. And so the prompt was this. For the next semester, reach out to that person with the sole purpose of hearing what's going on in their lives. Reach out to that person with the sole purpose of building a relationship no matter what they say, don't push back, don't argue, don't try to tell them how they're wrong. Just listen and hear from them. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awkward. We've never had this kind of relationship. So I randomly one day just call this, this individual. Hey, just wanted to see how your week was going, what's going on. Oh, um, well, it's going okay. Starts to tell me how his week's going. And I'm like, this is weird. We've never done this before. Okay, cool. I, was just, I just had some time. just wanted to call and check in. I continued this habit over the course of this semester because I had to for school, right? I wanted to get a good grade. And so I continue to do this. And when I see him at holidays, I, I'm, I'm treading lightly and I'm just listening and I'm just asking questions and I'm just being kind, even when he's wrong. Over the course of this semester, our relationship began to dramatically change, dramatically change. It softened because I was no longer somebody who was just against him, right or wrong. It softened him. We became family again. He felt loved beyond our disagreements, and it changed our dynamic. So I write my paper at the end of the term, and my professor hands me my paper back at the end of class and tells me that he cried in my paper because he does this every term, but there was such a dramatic transformation that took place in that relationship that he was so moved to see how God used that project to mend a relationship. Amen. I'd like to say that that relationship just was great since then, but it's not true because we're broken people and, and life is hard and things are rough. But, but that was such a learning lesson for me of the power of listening to someone and to being someone who lends an ear when oftentimes we would rather lend a word, right? 
A professor at the University of Pennsylvania who studies communication says this, the biggest mistake you can make in trying to talk convincingly is to put your highest priority on expressing your ideas and feelings. What most people really want is to be listened to, respected, and understood. The moment people see they are being understood, they become more motivated to understand your point of view. And so here, James is talking to a a community of believers. It's so easy to read the Bible. Oftentimes, I'm guilty of this myself. We read the Bible, and we get to a passage like this that looks really practical, and we think, oh, this is good advice. Like, oh, yes, I should get better at this. But I want to take us past just just mere morality this morning, of looking at a, a list of things that are a good idea for us to do for human interaction. As I mentioned, God isn't trying to make us just moral people. Morality is conforming to a set of rules. It's saying, this is what it looks like to be good, this is what it looks like to be bad, and so follow these rules so that you fall under the better category. That's not what God is doing. God is interested in producing righteousness. He's he's interested in changing us from people who are broken and hurting and sinful into what we were originally created to be, made in his image, in communion with him and with each other. What he's trying to do is turn us into the person that we were created to be. Faith lived out in active obedience to God because we believe he's making us into something that we can't be on our own, right? Not only is he making us who we were created to be, but he's using us as a catalyst to bring that hope and love to the rest of the world. So if this is just a set of good ideas for us to be better citizens and humans, great. But he is doing much more than this. Throughout the course of scripture, we see him giving us wisdom on how to live our lives, not just so that we can be better people, which is better for us, but because as men and women of God, as kingdom people, we carry the mantle into the world of the kingdom. We're wearing the coat of arms of our father, representing him to a broken world. We are agents of change and hope in the world. And so it matters then how we live our lives and how we speak and how we hear each other and how we disagree and how we conduct ourselves on Facebook and social media, right? It matters. So we want to look deeper into our passage this morning to unpack this love that is found in learning to listen what gets in the way of that, and how we can begin to put some of this in practice as we walk out our faith in action. And I just want to caution you against listening to this as simply a lesson in morality of how we can do a better job at being humans. And hear that it deeply, deeply matters for our own transformation and for the transmission of the gospel into the rest of the world that we start getting this stuff right that we start allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us the way that we hear, the way that we speak, the way that we live, because it matters for so much more than being good people. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look into, in this first section um, of your notes, if you are following along, there's some notes in your um, bulletin. You don't need them, but people like filling in the blanks. Um, And so we're going to look at listening as an expression of love. And so this passage starts off in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Have you ever been having a disagreement or a discussion with someone, 
and you're, you're really trying to get them to understand your point of view, and you can tell that they're looking at you, but they're thinking about what they're going to say next, right? And you know, you know that they're not really hearing you. They're just formulating the next thing they're going to say to make sure you get that they are right. How does that make you feel? Unloved. Unheard. Disrespected. I can remember one time I was that person with my sister. She just stopped me in the midst of it and said, do you realize how unloved I feel when you don't respect me enough to hear me? And I was like, oh, I was trying so hard to be right, and I just bulldoze our relationship in the process. I've been on both sides of that. Most of us probably have, except for you, like, really kind people, in which case I'm sorry because I've probably done that to you. (laughs) But it just makes you feel totally unvalued, right? Now, this can be in conflict, this can be in disagreement, this can be amongst us as brothers and sisters in the kingdom, this can be amongst us and people outside of the church who we are so badly trying to convince of the good news that we beat them over the head with it, right? Right? We feel so strongly like we know the right way, and so... People, not naming names, but people that I see that have forced me to stop being on Facebook feel like they need to beat it over people's head when you have no idea the context or the relationship or the history of that person that you're speaking to. And yet we do it for the sake of the gospel. So this is applicable in a lot of different ways. And so I want to give three pieces of of wisdom from this passage that we can learn about how we, as human beings, and more so as kingdom people, can learn to use listening as a way to love people better. And the first one is listening, listen-seeking connection. Listen to people seeking connection. Again, this flies directly in the face of listening to someone to formulate your next plot move, Right? This is listening, going into a hard conversation, going into a disagreement, and listening because your heart behind it is, I want to hear you because I want to figure out, based on our two polarized views, how can we find connection? Does that make sense? How can we find connection? If your goal in going into a difficult discussion or conflict or hard conversation, if your goal is, I want to figure out where in our differing stances we might find connection. You will find connection. But it's just not how we do it often. We go in looking for our our angle to be correct, right? And so James says, be quick to listen. Be ready to listen. Come into conversations and relationships ready to listen. Come hoping to learn. What if we approached conversations with people and just said, I just want to learn from you why you believe this, why you think this, why you acted that way? Dramatic difference in conversation than, let me tell you why you're wrong, right? Pastor Kenny often says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I love that. I think about that all the time. I often want to just tell people how much I know about their lives, right? But when we take the time to listen, seeking to connect with that person, they will care so much more about what you have to say because you took the time to hear from them. 
Uh, Henry Nowen is a theologian, and he has this quote. Um, I think we have it on the screen. It says, listening is much more than allowing another to talk while waiting for a chance to respond. Listening is paying full attention to others and welcoming them into our very beings. The beauty of listening is that those who are listened to start feeling accepted, start taking their words more seriously, and discovering their own true selves. Listening is a form of spiritual hospitality by which you invite strangers to become friends, to get to know their inner selves more fully, and even to dare to be silent with you. I love that, that listening is a form of spiritual hospitality, creating a space that is welcoming and safe for others to enter into. Second piece of wisdom is ask questions seeking to understand. Sometimes I have found myself over the years in conversation asking questions because I'm leading, I'm leading the witness, right? I know where I want to get them, so I'm asking the question so that we arrive here, and I'm like, well, this is a perfect opportunity for me to share this little piece of wisdom that I had, right? Instead of asking questions, just trying to learn this person and understand them. James says, be slow to speak. Use your words carefully and wisely. Control the desire for reactive verbal conversation, right? So often someone's in the middle of saying things, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited because I know exactly how to respond. <laughs> if you don't feel like that, I feel like that all the time. I literally, I'm like mm, bubbling over, like I can't wait. Especially if I know that they messed up in what they said, and I'm like, I'm going to get them. And so ask questions seeking to understand. And then number, well, letter C, is respond with empathy. James says, be slow to anger. As we're, as we're hearing from someone who differs from us, who feels differently, who's done something that we don't understand, it's so easy to let the conversation go so much further in our head than it has in real life, right? So easy. We just get ahead of ourselves. I can lay in bed or, or be in the shower thinking about a conversation, and by the end of the conversation that hasn't happened, I'm so fired up that they said that to me. And they never said it. But I've already gotten there in my head, and my heart is just burning with anger, right? Be slow to anger. And that happens when we respond with empathy. Empathy, the, the definition for empathy was so profound to me. I thought I understood it, and it just spoke new, uh, a new way to me. The ability to project oneself into the experience of another person in order to better understand that person's emotions or feelings. And then understanding the feelings of another, even if you don't share those feelings. I, I read uh, a quote that said, Understanding is not a prerequisite for empathy, but empathy is a prerequisite for understanding. I don't have to understand why this person did what they did or why they hold this certain set of beliefs or why they're acting this way. I don't, I don't have to understand to, to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put myself in their shoes. Tell me why. Let me hear from you. If I act empathetically, I will begin to understand because it opens a channel for conversation. But if I expect, like, I'm going to understand this before I have empathy. You might not understand yet. This doesn't make sense to me, so I have no empathy, right? We've got it backwards. 
And so we want to respond empathetically. We want to listen seeking connection with the goal of having connection. We want to ask questions trying to understand, and then we want to respond empathetically by really trying to put ourselves in their shoes. If I had that same childhood, if I had those same sets of experiences, if I had that same job or children or spouse or that thing happened to you this week, maybe I would respond that way too. I'd hate for people to judge me based on my worst day. Have you ever noticed that hearing someone's story can change the way you understand them? There's a, a show. This is not an endorsement. It's a heavy show. It's a new show um, on Netflix. Um, it's called I Am a Killer. Um, and I, I like true crime stuff. It's a, little, it's a little dark. But I watched the first episode, and I found myself in tears because this guy is just a monster. And as, as the episode goes on, you start hearing about his childhood. Literally not one person in his entire life ever loved him. He had no experience with love. Not one experience of someone loving him. And he's this monster on death row for murder. And when you just read his story, he's a monster. And then you start hearing how he became to be who he was. And your heart breaks for him. Because learning people's stories, understanding where people are coming from, allows us to better see, maybe I would be there if I were you. If I was dealt that same set of hand, that, that same hand, I don't know who I would be. All I know is I'm the sum of a lot of experiences and opportunities and, and ways that God has worked in my life and, and a certain family and born in a certain part of the country. But what if I had that same, that same exact set of circumstances as this guy? I'm just as broken as he is. I am just as sinful as he is. Hearing people's stories allows us to enter into their process and begin to empathize with them, which softens our heart and pulls back the anger. I want to say this, and I mean it. The people of God should be the best listeners and the most empathetic people on the planet. We're trying to be like Jesus, and guess what he does all day? He listens to us, right? He so gets what we've experienced that he left the glory of heaven to come down and be one of us, to actually walk a mile in our shoes. Our job should be to love people by learning people by listening to them, by seeking to understand them, by showing them the way to the healer. We are not the healers, right? Our job is to love people in a way that, that creates a spiritual sense of hospitality that invites them to trust you as you walk with them toward what you believe is the answer to all of their brokenness because it was the answer to all of yours. Not because you have the sole the, the soul grasp on truth. And it's my job to make sure you know exactly what that is. And some of us are better at this than others, right? But what James is saying, for all of us, we have a responsibility as people of the kingdom to be listening and learning each other and creating hospitable, emotional spaces for people to have questions and people to, to be in process. And when we do this well, people are more receptive to the gospel than if we're just right. 
And so we move into James uh, verse 20, and he says, For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. And so we see anger as a barrier to relationship. And I'm not talking about righteous anger here. I'm not talking about, you know, all of these horrible things that happen in the world, these, these atrocity, atrocities against children and all of these things, and you feel angry about it. It's not what I'm talking about. This is not righteous anger. James is careful to say human anger. Anger does not accomplish God's righteousness because it keeps us from understanding. Anger keeps us from understanding. We get so fired up. Have you ever seen that movie Inside Out with all the little emotions? Well, a group of the, the um, girls that I had in a, a discipleship group, we, they were talking about it and we went and watched it one night and they were all talking about how good it was and I was like, okay, cartoon. And I watched it and I was seriously like needed like an hour after to process because I was like, I have so many questions on like, what is life? It's so good. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's really good. That one I will endorse. But there's a little anger guy and he represents the anger emotion. And at one point, you know, she's a toddler and she doesn't, she doesn't like these peas. And so the anger guy and her little control tower in her head just takes a chair and just starts bashing everything. That's what anger does to us, right? literally like starts malfunctioning everything so we can no longer see clearly or love or listen or have empathy or understand because it just gets in there and goes haywire. It keeps us from understanding. Proverbs 17, 27 says, the one who has knowledge restrains his words and one who keeps a cool head as opposed to a hot head is a person of understanding When we no longer listen, we no longer understand. Also, anger makes it hard to respond rightly. Being right is not the same as responding rightly. Are you with me? Being right is not the same as responding rightly. You might be right and you respond poorly. At that point, it does not matter that you were right. Another Pastor Kenny quote. He's not here. I'm going to do my best to imitate him. <laughs> What's great about that is he's going to listen to this and he has no idea what I just did. <laughs> Don't fire me. Um, but he says, you can, win the, you can win the argument but lose the conversation. You can win the argument, but you've lost the conversation. Does it matter that you won the argument? No, you just bulldoze that relationship. That person no longer looks to you as a safe person to have a conversation with. Now all that matters is that you are right and they are wrong. The love is lost, the respect is lost, the trust is lost. You can win the argument, but you've lost the conversation. And when you lose that conversation, relational breakdown is the next in line. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away anger but a harsh word stirs up wrath. We respond. The way we respond matters. We want to respond rightly. Let us see. The saving work of Jesus is not brought by anger. This is what he says. This is what James is saying. He says, human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. There's a couple different ways that you can read accomplish God's righteousness. Righteousness in this, in this context Righteousness or justice is referring to the saving action of God that brings about behavior and conditions conducive with kingdom people. 
the saving action of God that brings about behavior and conditions conducive with kingdom people. People whose false self is being undone and whose true self, the self we were created to be, is being recaptured through knowing and trusting our maker. And so this saving work of Jesus, conforming us to his image, bringing the message of salvation and reconciliation to the world, this is not accomplished by anger. In fact, anger gets in the direct way of us being transformed into his image and us being image bearers to the world. We're not helping anyone by responding with anger, beating people over the head with truth. We're not helping anyone see Jesus more clearly by being unwilling to listen, by not seeking to understand or empathizing with their struggles. The saving work of Jesus isn't being brought in our own lives when we respond to people like this. He is still saving us from ourselves. He is still making us new. He's still undoing all of the yuckiness and recapturing the fullness of who we were created to be. We are still works in progress. And we need to be people who love God and who love others above all else. And sometimes this looks like looking past justice to mercy. This is a good word for all human beings. Could you imagine a world where we talked less and listened more? Can you imagine a world when, when a Republican sat down with a Democrat and heard why their heart bleeds for what it bleeds for and said, wow, I never thought of it that way, period. Could you imagine the reverse happening? If we listened, could you imagine a teenager feeling like there was space for them to say, this is why I feel this way. And an adult saying, man, that sounds really hard. Can you imagine if all of our different layers of human reaction and interaction were, were covered by this pushing past justice for mercy? I just want to listen to you to connect with you, not to correct you. What a safe place the church would be. What a safe place our workplaces and our homes and our schools and our neighborhoods would be for people to find refuge and an ear. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This is especially true for the people of God, how we love others, how we listen to others, how we speak to others and react to others is so important. The world is watching us, friends. They are expecting to be judged before they are heard. That's what they expect. Let's change those expectations. They're expecting picket signs and angry Facebook rants. Let's engage in conversation. Let's engage in hearing for the sake of understanding, not for the sake of changing people. And we will find that we begin to have a voice in people's lives when they know we're not just interested in being right, we're interested in knowing them and empathizing with them. And then we might have a space to offer our story our testimony of the power of God at work in our lives in the midst of our brokenness, which is far more powerful than pointing out someone else's brokenness and telling them exactly what they need, right? And so we want to respond rightly. 
three pieces of advice as we try to apply this to our lives. And the first one is show up ear first. I had a, uh, <laughs> when I was getting married, our, we had a catering company and the girl who was our connection was a difficult personality. And she showed up at our venue and was like, okay, and ready to do stuff. And my friend said, that girl just showed up mouth first. And I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, I know that person. Like, I know people like that. They show up mouth first, right? They walk in the room and they're already talking and telling everyone what they need to do. And so I applied it here. Let's show up ear first. We show up to conversations and confrontations and disagreements. And we show up to Facebook and Instagram. And we show up with our kids. And we show up with, with people that disagree with us. We show up ear first. I'm not here to talk. I'm here to listen. I'm here to hear why you think the way that you do. Why you feel the way that you do. Why are you acting the way that you act? Resist the temptation to speak before you've heard. Resist the temptation to speak before you've heard. You will bulldoze relationships. You will break down that bridge between us and that person. And more importantly, the bridge of us being catalysts for kingdom movement in that person's life. If we don't listen before we speak. We'll invite the worship team back up. Letter B is be aware of your own stuff and deal with it. Be aware of your own stuff and deal with it. James ends this, this little section here by saying, in verse 21, Therefore, ridding yourselves, not that other person, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. You are not a finished product, people. I'm talking to 100% of us in here. We're not finished products. We don't have it all together. We don't have it all right. Can I get a volunteer for someone to come up here and be the example of someone who has it all together? Do I have any volunteers? No one? I feel like my stepdad is like trying really hard to resist the urge to come up. He thinks he's pretty close. <laughs> We've got work to do on us. God is still working out our salvation within us. Do we spend as much energy attacking our own wrongness as we do attacking others? Rid yourself of your junk. Throw it off. Take it off and get it far away from you. Flee temptation. Work on yourself. Ask God to search your heart. Because as he begins to continue his saving work in us, we become people who other people might just hear from. The more we deal with our stuff, the more humble we become. The more we're faced with our junk, the more humble we become. And humility, entering into a difficult discussion or confrontation or disagreement, humility will always help you re remain in relationship, will help you hear the other person, will build trust. Humility is the key. And the more we deal with our stuff, the, better we, the more humble we become, the more pure our hearts and motives become, and the better we can love people and show them the love of Christ. The better we deal with our stuff and allow God to work out our salvation in us, the better we can testify to that saving work to the world by the way that we live and the way that we act and the way that we speak and the way that we don't speak. 
And then he says to humbly absorb God's word in your heart. This word receive that, that is in that passage, it can be translated as absorb or to surrender. Surrender to God's word in your heart. Allow it to do what it's trying to do in you. As you hear this word this morning, stop applying it to your husband. Stop applying it to your teenage brat. Humbly receive the word that God is speaking to you this morning. Because all of us as people of the kingdom need to have this being worked out in us so that we might better represent him in a world and be made more like him. An attitude of humility is required to allow God's word to flourish, allowing God to be God and allowing us to be who we are in response to that. And so at this time, we're going to move into a time of response worship. Everything that we do here is worship. All of it is in response to who God is. This is all worship. We show up here, we, we worship him by valuing uh, his word and looking to it for wisdom and guidance. We worship him by showing up here and taking time out of our weekend to give to him, to listen to him. We worship him through our tithes and our offerings, and we're going to worship him through, through musical worship now. And so during this time, you can sit or you can stand, you can sing or you can sob. You can do whatever you need to do in this time. This is a time to respond to God. But hear this. This time is not the time of singing. It's not the time of music. This is a time of doing business with God. This is the time where the things that you've heard, as soon as you walk out these doors, you're going to remember about 4% of it. Deal with God with it now while it's in your heart. Before the enemy can distract you, be all here and let the word of God penetrate your heart. Let the Holy Spirit convict you where you need conviction because there is so much grace and so much freedom and so much joy and so much life to be had when we are fellowshipping with our God. Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.